Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 43, entitled, And in the Body Experience, Part 4. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study in 1 Corinthians, uh, studying through the book and uh, dealing with the topics as they arise. If you've got the Bible with you, if you don't, pause this and get one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we've been for a couple of times together, looking at this whole, as I've titled it, the in, in the body experience, the body of Christ, uh, the gifts of the body and how God gifts the body, uh, the church that is to do his mission, uh, both within the body itself and then also as it goes out to the world. Our purpose of being here is not just for ourselves, we don't just exist for the sake of our own meetings, we exist for the sake of the world, right? So... Uh, we've been looking at these things, and so I would, if, if, as soon as you get there, First uh, Corinthians 12, we'll proceed, and then while you're reading there, let's pray together. God, I thank you that you teach us and that you inform us about everything that you want us to know. Open our eyes, God. Help us to understand. Uh, bless those that are hearing right now, God. Help them to, to understand their part in your body and the way, God, that you have gifted them uh, to accomplish that part. Thank you, God, that we can be together. And uh, thank you, God, that you love us and that you communicate to us this way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we continued to look last time, like I said, at God, how God so gifted this church to accomplish his mission both to itself and to the world. Uh, we looked at several different metaphors. In fact, we saw where the Bible mixes its metaphors in order to understand all these things, and we added a few of ourselves. First of all, uh, the Bible talks about the bodies being a building, or the, I should say the church being a building, not just a physical, I mean a physical building, but this, this physical building. Where, is the, where does God live? He lives in his church, not, not a brick and mortar. It's physical human beings. God's location on planet earth is his body, is his church, and we are growing together to accomplish that. We're his building, we're his field, he's planted us, we're growing to produce fruit for his kingdom, for his glory. We're a body as the main topic here, main metaphor here in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And we added several of our own metaphors. The jigsaw puzzle a couple of weeks ago uh, talked about a keyboard on a computer, how if we're missing even one key, it affects the message. And so you say, well, I, you know, I won't be missed. My, my part in the body, if I don't play, uh, won't, be, won't be missed. And that just simply isn't true. And then we also looked at this whole issue of a band uh, that is a per, playing music. Uh, one band, one sound is what we said. Uh, one band with many pieces all coming together to make that single sound. The sound we make is not our worship services. It's not our preaching time. It's not our teaching. It's not our prayer meetings, even though these are means to an end. But again, we're down here in enemy territory, and we're to make a sound. These are, these are means to an end, but they're not the end of themselves. The end is the sound that we make. I mean, think about it. If all that we do is meet... All that we do is study the Bible. All that we do is pray. And we have no effect on the world. We have no sound. We're soundless. The sound that we make is the impact that we have on our world. That's, that's the point. So that we can all come together. And if we're missing instruments, do we still make a sound? Yes, but is it the sound that God, God intended fully? No, it's not. We can't do without you, and you can't do without me. We have to be playing together. Again, one band, one sound. Every instrument playing its part. A church without impact is like a band without a sound. You've got them all in uniform. You've got them all in their instruments. They're all in line. They're marching out, but they're not playing anything. Is that really a band? No. 
not making a sound. I mean, how is it possible that the light of the world doesn't light things up? The church without impact really isn't a church. really isn't. It's not accomplishing the function. The purpose of the body of Christ is that that body will make an impact upon the world. And so we're going to be taking a closer look at the instruments or the parts of the body, the instruments that we play in this band, this one sound that we make together. What are the gifts that God has given the body of Christ? Well, let's take a look at some of these. Uh, Verses 7, we're in chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, let's read that. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So everybody who is a believer in Jesus has at least one gift. Each one, it says. Each one, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, so that we all participate together. We're all part of each other. For to one is given, here's the list, here's part of the list. One is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. We don't get to choose. I don't choose what my gift is. You don't choose what your gift is. Any teaching that contradicts that is contradicting the Scriptures. Don't listen to them. They're not telling you the truth. Oh, you get to pick what gifts you have. No, you don't. God is sovereign. You're not. You take what He gives. Again, these are grace gifts. They're not based upon who you are. God doesn't hand out gifts based upon rank or... or uh, good people as opposed to bad people, good Christians as opposed to not so good Christians. No, he just gives them out. They're total, totally by grace. The same way he gives out salvation. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has everything to do with who he is. So these are grace. These are grace gifts. Let's, let's skip down to verses 28 through 31. Again, we have a, a, the, a similar list and maybe add in a few. God has appointed the church first apostles, second the prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Are all, not workers, are all workers of miracles? Of course, the answers in all these cases are no. All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Of course not. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. In other words, these, these, the, the greater gifts, the gifts that, that more contribute to the body, are the ones that ought to be prominent, not the ones that don't. So, anyway... The, 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 the gifts God has given to us, and we have at least here 13 gifts spoken of here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, chapter 12, I mean. Add to that number other lists that we find in the New Testament of gifts, uh, for instance, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, uh, and if we add all of these together, we basically have somewhere between 18 and 20. I say 18 and 20 because in some cases you may say, well, that's the same gift spoken of, well, given a different title, but it's the same gift. And um, so there may, there's between 18 and 20 total gifts. So why isn't there a complete list? Let's deal with that first. So Paul doesn't say, here's a complete list. He doesn't do that here in 1 Corinthians. He doesn't do it in Romans 12. Peter doesn't do it in 1 Peter chapter 4. He doesn't do that. Neither, none of them say, here's the list of all the gifts that God gives, and there are no more. Nobody ever does that. Why? Well, a couple of reasons, a couple of points I want to make about that. Number one, we don't have a full list of all the gifts, apparently because we didn't need them. So 
What we have in the Scriptures is not everything there is to know, but everything that God wants us to know. Understand that. The things that we need to know is what God has given to us. So one of the reasons, and maybe the most important one, is why, why we don't have a complete list of all the gifts is because we don't need it. It wasn't important. We have a list of some of the more prominent gifts, but we don't have a list of all the gifts. And so, so that's number one. It's important for us to understand that God didn't give them to us because we didn't need them. Number two, God didn't give them to us, I'm convinced, because there isn't a full list that we can fully comprehend. I mean, think about it this way. Isn't it God's prerogative to decide how he gifts his people to do his work and that he can gift them to do anything? So he doesn't give us a full list because we would box him in. You can't box God in. God wants to give you the ability, I don't know why he would, to, to fly to the moon. Can he do that? Yes, he can. Because he is God. To fly to the center of the earth. I don't know why he would ever need for us, one of us, to do that. But if that was so within keeping of his mission and his call and his purpose for his church, and he wanted to enable some individual within that church to do that, is not God capable of enabling us to do something like that? Of course he is. Of course he is. So one of the reasons I'm convinced why there's not a full list in the Bible is because there's not a full list. God can do whatever he wants to with us. God's mission, God's purpose, and God's enabling of his body to do his work is as broad as he, or as narrow, as he wants it to be. Now, there are more prominent gifts, and I think those are the ones that we have listed here. They're the more common gifts, the more functional gifts on a day-to-day -day basis within the ministry and the service of the church. But, but the, the, the possibilities are huge. The reason why I say that is not because I'm not just coming up with this off the top of my head. I say this because when you read what happens to people in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God comes upon them, you find out they do all kinds of stuff. Samson, the Spirit of God filled him. Remember what happened to Samson? What did he do? Did he create a seminary? Did he start teaching the Bible? Did he uh, speak in tongues? The Spirit, the Spirit of God fell on Samson and Samson tore a line into pieces. Is that a spiritual gift? <laughs> Apparently. Why, why, did, why did the Spirit manifest that way in Samson? Because, because God wanted him to. That's all. No more complicated than that. God wanted Samson to tear a line apart for his purposes. Deal with it, all right? Yes, same, same is true, the uh, 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 Spirit of God came upon Samson and he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. He, he put his hands against two pillars in the Philistine temple uh, to a pagan god and killed over a thousand men that day by the Spirit of God. The Spirit enabled, the enabling of the Spirit as far as Samson is concerned was superhuman strength. Can God do that? Yes, God can do whatever he wants. Another enabling, here's just, again, why don't we have a full list? Because I don't believe there is a full list. I believe the list is whatever God wants it to be. Here's, here's, here's a guy, there was two guys, in fact, in the Old Testament who were enabled to do certain things that we wouldn't necessarily consider spiritual, uh, but, but God had to have a, t a tabernacle built in the wilderness. And so he enables through his spirit this two different guys, the ones listed here, Bezalel. See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, is this, this specific guy. 
And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. What? To speak in tongues, to teach, to preach, to prophesy, to evangelize, even though these are gifts listed in the New Testament, and they're legitimate gifts in every way. But the Spirit of God can enable us to do anything. Watch. Filled him with the Spirit, with wisdom and understanding of what? And with knowledge, with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs of for gold and silver and bronze. Wow, that's... So yeah, the capacity to build things and to do artistic designs, is that what the Spirit does? Apparently, the Spirit can do anything He wants. You see, see, God has a purpose for us. And God can enable us to fill in those purposes however He wants. In this particular situation, they needed a tabernacle built in the wilderness. And so God took His Spirit and placed that enabling upon this individual. In fact, two individuals. I'm not going to bring up the other one, but the other guys there did the same thing. And they were able to teach others to, to be able to do these things. So, well, that's, that's not very spiritual, right? They're working with gold and silver and bronze and, and, and materials and, and animal skins and all that. Listen, only you and I, now I should say maybe just you, because I try my best not to do this, and maybe I should say I'm one of those two, separate between the spiritual and the physical. There is no separation in the mind of God. No separation in the Scriptures. In the scriptures, they're the same. Obviously, spiritual is, you can't see it, it's immaterial, and one is material, one's immaterial, but they're both spiritual. It's not one is God's realm and the other one is not God's realm. That's not how it works. Everything is spiritual, even when it's physical. Even when it's, it's not, just because it's not immaterial, doesn't mean it's not spiritual. So these were very much material things, but uh, immaterial spirit enabled him to work in these things. So, so what is, what is the giftings of God? They're, they're, as, they're as broad as God wants them to be. Uh, other examples, Elijah, if you'll recall, and we won't go to these verses, but Elijah was enabled by the Spirit to, to run really fast. He was an old guy, tucks his cloak into his belt, and outruns a chariot to the city of Jezreel. We're talking about 15, 20 miles. Wow, can the Spirit of God do that? Apparently. Daniel and Joseph, two prominent guys who were gifted by the Spirit to interpret dreams. Where is the interpretation of dreams in our 1 Corinthians chapter 12 list? It's not there. Because I don't believe there is a list. A, a full list. I mean, in the mind of God, of course, God knows all things. But God doesn't give us a full list because we will box Him in. Don't box God in. Just figure God's going to do whatever God wants to do. And whatever, whatever project God has for his people, whatever, whatever, whatever purpose God has on the earth, God will enable his church and the individuals within his church to accomplish that task. It could be material, it could be immaterial, whatever it is. We tend to focus on the immaterial. But again, that's not all. We're, we're, we're in the list, in defense of Pastor Greg and his giftedness, where in the list in the New Testament is the gift and ability to sing and play music? It's not there. It's not, on, not the list that we have, any of the lists we have in the New Testament, and yet the, the Bible is very specific, very clear, that the, that the Spirit of God came upon David, for instance, and enables him basically to write the hymn book of the Bible, which is the book of Psalms. So, so we can't say that's not a spiritual gift. So, so what, what are the spiritual gifts? Like I said, they're as broad as God wants them to be and as narrow to accomplish His purposes. Is there anything good 
that the Spirit of God cannot gift us to do? The answer is no, nothing. The point of Paul's discussion is not to give us a complete list. And again, it's to emphasize the fact that every one of us has a purpose within the church. Every one of us has a purpose within the mission of God and the ministry of God. Every one of us. I mean, you think about this guy back to Bezalel there. His ministry was working with gold and silver and bronze and tapestries. Is that a ministry? Apparently, the Spirit of God decides what ministry is, not us. And here's one of my pet peeve issues. Uh, down in verse 7 says each one of us are gifted according to his desires for the workings of his ministry right but we have this very narrow view of what ministry is we only see people who do what i do as ministers we call it, oh that's the minister that is so inaccurate it's so unbiblical uh, uh, like only if you stand behind a pulpit or you're a minister or have some kind of certain title within the church that is not biblical at all if anything if anything we're less ministers than you are, the guys that stand in the pulpit. You're the ministers. We're the equippers of the ministers. We're the ones that enable you, teach you, to go and actually make the sound. Remember, one band, one sound. To, to play in a way that brings glory to God. That's our job. If anything, you're the upfront ministers, not us. The real upfront ministers are the people that go out day to day into the world and make the impact the sound, if you will, that we're supposed to make. So, so let's spend some time looking at some of these gifts uh, today. We're not going to look at all of them because there's a bunch of them. And, and explaining what some of these are. There are more prominent gifts. Of course, we're given these in list here in the New Testament. We're going to discuss those together. Or I'm going to talk about them together with you and better understand why God has given them and what they do within the body and outside the body in the world, the sound that we make. So it seems you can observably divide the gifts into two groups and groupings, the speaking gifts and the service gifts. And in fact, 1 Peter chapter 4 seems to fall on along those same lines. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11, if anyone speaks or speaking gifts, what, what are they? We're going to see there's a bunch of them. They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, there's the service gifts. They should do so as with the strength God provides, so that in all things, those are not just two gifts. Those are two categories of gifts. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So God's enablings of us so that God can be praised. So, 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 so that the world could hear the sound and the music, if you will, the work of God comes through the church. And God enables him to be these two broad categories of speaking gifts and service gifts. And we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at these speaking gifts and get to more of the service gifts the next time we come together. So make sure you're back for that. But let's, let's consider the speaking gifts together. Uh, gifts involved, uh, well, as it, as it sounds, uh, sounds obviously, uh, speaking or teaching or writing or proclamation, using language, because that's how we communicate right language whether spoken or written to communicate the truth of god on every level so so that's the speaking gifts there are at least eight different speaking gifts revealed here in the new testament first of all the word of utterance the the, the word or utterance of knowledge if you look there at verse eight we've already read it the, the utterance of knowledge or the word of knowledge the gift that knows things about the scriptures and the details about those these truths a person with the 
with a word of knowledge or the utterance of knowledge is it's a speaking gift. It enables a person to analyze, to investigate, to interpret, to systematize the things that God wants us to know. The gift of knowledge helps us know stuff. That's awesome. I need to know things. Very dependent upon these gifts. You often find these guys and gals in seminary situations. Uh, great at the old languages. Great at interpreting. Great at understanding. Great in putting into uh, big pictures the things that God has said, and we're so dependent upon them. We these kind of gifts. We see them in the commentaries. We their 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 giftedness uh, in in um, concordances and Bible dictionaries. Who are these people? Well, they're people gifted by God to disseminate the knowledge that God has given to us so that we can make application, which, by the way, is our next gift. The, the gift or the word of knowledge is a, a, a speaking gift that helps assimilate our, uh, uh, this, this truth. The word of wisdom, now this is the application of truth, a speaking gift that applies knowledge to a giving situation. Somebody calls it the sanctified common sense. First person with the gift of wisdom, my experience is the church is dealing with the issue, going through issues, and a person with the gift of wisdom standing. But could it be true that God is saying this to our situation, applying the word of God to the situation that God has for the church? A word or utterance of wisdom, as it says there in, uh, in verse 8. Uh, gift of teaching, let's go on to the next gift. This is also a speaking gift, obviously, but it doesn't mean just that they vocalize. They also can be a writer of the things. Down there in verse 28, and in other places we find it in the New Testament. Uh, so, so follow the train, if you will, of knowledge. So uh, the gift of knowledge knows the truth. Gift of wisdom applies the truth. The gift of teaching transfers the truth to you so that it becomes your truth. So I don't have to go talk to the knowledge guy anymore. Well, not to say that he doesn't cease to function. He's got other purposes. Or the wisdom guy anymore because now the teaching gift has made it now something that's in my head because he's explained it to me in a way I can understand. That's the teaching gift. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a speaking gift. A person with this gift explains or clarifies or communicates the truth so that it is clear to others. It's a very important gift. So, so the, the, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of teaching, all speaking gifts. Another speaking gift is the gift of prophecy down in verse 10. It's so, so follow the train of truth. Knowledge knows the truth. Wisdom applies the truth. Teaching transfers the truth to you. Prophecy confronts you with the truth. Gift of prophecy. Now we think of the gift of prophecy, we think of foretelling, somebody predicting the future. And prophets do that. Old Testament prophets especially had incredible ability to tell the future whenever God decided. But, but if you'll pay careful attention to their ministry, you'll see that most of the time they were not foretelling, they were forthtelling. They were confronting. Here's what God's already said, and here's what you're not doing. Here's what the instructions and the directions that God has for you. Follow God's directions. They're not foretelling anything. They're not predicting the future. They're foretelling. They're directing. As an example, Jesus, according to his own words, the greatest man who ever lived, other than himself, obviously, uh, the greatest prophet who ever lived up until that day was John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a prophet. Now, tell me where John the Baptist predicts the future. Almost never. Never. 
Not to say that he didn't. But, but more often, you have John the Baptist not foretelling, speaking of the future, but foretelling, speaking of applying the Word of God to the here and now, confronting with the truth. The main job of the prophet, Old and New Testament, is confrontation. Again, does God not have the capacity to enable us to see and speak about the future? Of course he does. Of course he does. But mostly, because we now have the complete Bible, Old and New Testament, God doesn't have to do that because he's already told us. Now we just need to, no, we need someone to confront us with the truth. Now the primary job of the prophet is confrontation, to confront you with the truth. John the Baptist, if you recall, lost his head, literally, because of not foretelling, but foretelling. He confronts Herod about the fact that he has taken his brother Philip's wife to be his wife, and, well, Herod arrests him for it, and then Philip's ex-wife tricks Herod into taking John's head, all for the fact that he was performing his job as a prophet of forthtelling, confronting. The next speaking gift is maybe the, maybe the best known as far as language. We hear a whole lot of it, and it was, a whole, it was a big issue here in 1 Corinthians, in the Corinthian church, and it is a lot today. And it is the gift of tongues, verses, verse 10 and verse 28. The gift of tongues, by definition, is a speaking in a language that a person has never learned for the sake and the purposes of God. The Bible seems to indicate that there are more than just human languages out there for God to choose from to enable us to speak. Here's some examples of why I say that. Though, here's Paul speaking. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Remember, Paul says, we'll get to that in chapter 14. He says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. So if you've got a problem with speaking tongues, you've got a problem with Paul because he was one of those guys. I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So that's two different classes of tongues. So we're not talking about French, Spanish, and English. We're also talking about there's another class of language or languages that the angels speak, not ours. Now, can the angels speak English? Of course, because they, or I, I don't know about English. They certainly spoke Hebrew because we have them in Hebrew and Greek here in the New Testament, right? Speaking. So they're capable of doing that. He says, I, but have not love, I become a sounding brass. Or so what good is me speaking in all these languages if, if I don't have love? And we'll get to that here when we get to 1 Corinthians 13. But again, multiple languages that God has to choose from. 1 Corinthians 14 too. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. So that's, so in other words, he's not even speaking in a human language. Seems to imply. For no one understands it. No one does. Well, this is not a... If I, if you're, it's not you speaking in French and me understanding French and I'm therefore interpreting it. No, this is a language that's not interpretable in that sense. I, there's no way I could have known this is not an earthly language. So for one to understand him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Why is it mysteries? Because there's not, it's not a known language down here. Let's, let's get back to the whole issue of language, for, for instance, because uh, Corinthian church made a big deal about t- the tongues gift and people do the same today. But, but isn't God able to give us the ability to speak anything that he wants us to speak? Who created the language to begin with anyway? So originally the earth was only one language. I think it's Hebrew. i got no way to prove that. It's just a hunch. I may be wrong. I don't think I am. But well, as soon as I am, I'll let you know. But, but let's just say, for instance, if that's what the original language was, if the whole world spoke Hebrew, but at the Tower of Babel, God confused the languages and created all these he enabled people to speak 
the multitude of languages that we have today. Everywhere you go, people, different language, different dialect. God enabled people for the sake of confusion, and it does confuse. If you speak Spanish, and I only speak English, and we're speaking to each other, huh? I don't know what you're saying. You don't know what I'm saying. And so he divided peoples all over the world, pushed them out because they were all coming together. And he knew that if we all come together and our hearts are not right with him and we're sinful, we become greater than the sum of our parts when it comes to evil. And so in order to keep us from going back into this scenario very quickly of why he judged the world under the flood, because of the, with the flood, the conditions of that, he confuses us so that we're separated so that we cannot become greater than the sum of our parts. But he confuses us with languages. He created those languages. He created all of them. So, so, so the fundamental question, and we need to deal with this first, cannot God enable us to speak anything that he wants? Sure. Can, can God pull out of the air a language that never has existed before and make us speak the language? He did it. In Tower of Babel, hundreds of languages, never existed before. Poof, he did it. Can he enable his angels? You may say, well, there's no such thing as angelic languages. Well, I differ with you on that, but I just differ on the basic premise of cannot God enable his angels to speak whatever he wants them to speak? Sure, certainly. So, so we make a big deal out of these languages as if they're some kind of weird thing. There's nothing weird about them. God did them. He's going to someday undo them. And in some ways, the gift of tongues is an undoing of what he did at the Tower of Babel. The original tongue speaking is in uh, Acts chapter 1, where the Spirit of God falls on the church, and every one of them spoke in different languages that they had never learned before, all for the sake of praising God and communicating the gospel. And all the Jews were surrounded there. In fact, it was predicted in the book of Isaiah that that's exactly what happened, that he would speak to them in tongues that they didn't know, using tongues that they had not known before. And so this whole tongue-speaking thing, of course, was, is very much prophetic. Uh, tongues are a speaking gift that exists for the purposes of God as he so chooses, just like all the other gifts, as he chooses. I, I do not believe... You may disagree with me, and like I said, everybody's got a right to be wrong. I don't believe that tongues or any other gift have ceased to exist as far as what God does for his church or through his church. You may say, I, you, I differ with you, Pastor Bill, because the Bible says that, and I'll just say, you're welcome to believe whatever you want. My study of the Scriptures has not proven to me that any gift has ceased. None of them. I will say, by observation... Some of these gifts, including the tongue gifts, have gone way down in their usefulness. I mean, the original use of the tongue there, of course, was to communicate to the Jews in Jerusalem that Jesus was the Messiah. Well, that function ceased a long time ago. And as we're reading here in 1 Corinthians, will be chapter 14 later on, uh, the, the purpose of the tongue was just simply to say, hey, God's still working in our midst. But, but uh, Paul says, I would rather that you speak just myself, he says, I speak in, all, in, in tongues more than any of you, but I would rather speak ten words in an intelligible language than a thousand words in a tongue. Oh, he's, he's saying, listen, the, the usefulness of tongues is a lot less than the emphasis, it, for sure, that, they were, that it was being given there in the Corinthian church. But I'm not a believer who says that this tongues have ceased I, only because, and I'm not a tongue speaker, 
Pastor Bill speaks in tongues. No, I don't. I try a little Spanish, and I'm not very good at that. And I, arguably, I'm not very good at English either, but I'm not a tongue speaker. In fact, I don't expect to speak in tongues, even though I don't believe tongues have ceased. And the reason why I don't expect to speak in tongues is because I'm 55, and I would think God would have given me that gift already if he was planning to do it. I'm, I'm satisfied with the gifts that he's given to me. God's welcome to do whatever he wants to. God has the power and the prerogative to do where he wants to, and he certainly gifts his church in any way that he wants. Part of the reason why we don't have a full list, again, because God reserves the option to do whatever he wants. Again, I do observe that these, some gifts are less, less prominent. There were, there were much more tongue speaking. There was much more healing. But does God, has God ceased to heal? Of course not. He's capable of healing. He's capable of creating miracles and doing all this kind of stuff. Just observably... He's doing them much less. The focus is on his word. What has he said to us? The prominence of these gifts, like tongues, like healing, like light miracles, was to set apart his ministers, to say, these are my people. They are the ones doing my work. Listen to them. It set them up for that work. Now, a lot of that's taken care of by the word of God, the work of the power of the word of God, converting the soul, bringing them into faith in Christ. It doesn't say, you know, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by miracles or by tongues. No, hearing by what? The Word of God. That's the biggest miracle. A person who was a child of Satan turning into a child of God. But we're spending too much time on these tongues because, and, and well, only because they've been way pushed out of proportion. The, the next uh, speaking gift is the gift of interpretation of tongues, which is self-explanatory. Uh, you interpret the tongue, whatever that is. So... I don't need to explain that. The next uh, speaking gift is the gift of evangelism, just in the order that we're finding here. The gift of evangelism is a speaking gift that enables a member of the body to communicate the gospel and lead others to Christ, which brings up a big question. So there's people that are gifted in evangelism. Does that mean if I'm not gifted in evangelism that I don't share my faith? See, these, these gifts are enablings an especial enabling of a person or persons with, within a congregation or within the body of Christ, but it doesn't mean that, that those of us who don't have these enablings are exempt from that. I don't have the gift of evangelism. doesn't mean I don't evangelize. I don't have the gift of service. doesn't mean I don't serve. I don't have the gift of giving. doesn't mean I don't give. But some people, God, because of their giftedness, puts them as leaders in these areas. The church needs to be giving. The church needs to be serving. The church needs the, to be ministering in mercy. The church needs to be teaching. Some, but, but some are leaders in this, and God gifts them that way. But they're just leading the others. None of them are exempt from any of those things. None of us are. It's the ministry of the body. Some are leaders in this. God, And as God sets them apart as leaders, by gifting them that way. So, so that's important for us to, to do. So the gift of evangelism. And the final gift I want to talk to you about is the gift of exhortation. We find this list that we haven't read that list yet, but Romans chapter 12, we're going to get to that next time. Uh, it's a person who's gifted to encourage the hearers of God's truth to do what he says. So let's go back to our, our chain of God's truth, as I'm calling here. So, so back to the original uh, speaking gifts I spoke of. So, so the gift of knowledge assimilates the truth, gathers it together. The gift of wisdom applies the truth to any given situation. The gift of teaching transfers the truth to the hearts and lives of others. The gift of prophecy confronts with the truth. 
The gift of evangelism reaches out with the truth. The gift of exhortation encourages you, with, follows you. A, a, a person with exhortation, the gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement is a person who holds on to you until you finally get to the place where you're living out the truth in your lives. They're encouraging. Uh, they don't give up. Uh, it's just, again, is, does that mean if I don't have this gift that I don't do that? Of course not. But there's some people that are real leaders in this. They have a real gift, as we say, a real gift for that. An encourager hangs on to you and doesn't give up until you follow the truth. Barnabas is a great example. He was called the son of encouragement. That's what his name means, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He would grab a hold of a person named Saul of Tarsus and, until he was brought to prominence within the church. Nobody trusted Saul. Saul was a killer of Christians. Saul had been saved. Saul had been called. Saul had been gifted. And we're grateful for those gifts. We have them. The gift of apostleship. We writing some of the New Testament. We're still, still benefiting. Here we are reading his book, one of his books, 1 Corinthians. Oh, that's an incredible gift. Look, notice how the gift is ministering to the body. And we're now, here's another gift speaking to you about those things. And so this is just, again, God working all these things together according to his will. So, so these speaking gifts, and we'll sum them up again next time. But I want to conclude our time together by just simply asking you a question. It's going to more focus on our hearts here. Imagine a band, if you will, where every member of the band actually plays their own instrument. Sound far-fetched? Of course not. What, what band is there that every member doesn't play their own instrument? Exactly. What church is there where a legitimate church where every member doesn't minister. That doesn't make any sense. Of course they should minister. They're part of the body, right? It only stands to reason. Imagine a church where every single church member is using their gifts and abilities and passions wholeheartedly. Imagine a church where everyone is serving in a meaningful role with joy and purpose. This is not fairy tale. This is what God has created us to be. You have a place. You have giftedness. We need your gifts. You have an instrument that you play so that collectively we can make one single sound that brings the world to the truth, brings the world hopefully to faith in Christ so that we can make the impact as a church that God has called us to make. Thanks for your time. Hope you'll prayerfully consider these things. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you have gifted your church and you continue to gift her however you choose, in whatever way, to accomplish the mission that you have for us. Lord, we have a dawning task to reach this world. And this world, um, well, you know how to reach them, God. We're your hands and we're your feet. We're your instruments. We're your building. We're your field. We're your body. You put us where you put us. Help us, God, wherever we find ourselves to do our jobs. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.